Our saints, today we will be in Ephesians chapter 5, starting a new chapter. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Thanks, babe. And I know we opened up with 1 John, um, looking at the love of God. And, um, oh, thank you, Sister I'm going. And this morning, as I was working on my edits, you know, going through my notes and working on my edits, I'm like, ah, I think this is, this will be a really long sermon. So I've decided to cut it in half. And so today will be a little bit shorter. Next week will be longer. So this week we'll really just touch on one topic. We're not going to get to the love of God and modeling God in that way. We'll do that next week. Um, so First John still applies. It'll apply more next week, but just want to give you a heads up there. So today will be a little shorter because I'll cut it in half. So the bulk of the message will be next week. But this is just a good step one. And uh, helping us understand Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. So we are... Let's pray. And I got everything connected. This will do. Let's jump to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, my Lord, my God, my Savior, you are wonderful. You are marvelous, Lord, and your children. We come here now, God, to open your word, Lord, and to hear your voice, God. We want to hear your voice, Lord. We want to see you in the scriptures, Lord God. So God, open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to see truth. Holy Spirit, illuminate this text. Help us to see things that we've never seen before or things that we've missed. God, bring it to our remembrance. God, work mighty things through your word, Lord. Change us through it, God. Make us better through it, Lord. Let us see you. God, it is you we want, Lord. It is you we long for, God. We look forward to your return, Christ. So help us to see you in this word. Help us to see you clearly, Lord God. Help us to be better. We know you're giving this word for our good, God. So allow this word to just instruct us and teach us, guide us on the way we should go, Lord. God, help this church, this body see the glories that I've seen in your word. Help them rejoice as they see things, Lord, about you. Have your way on today, God. Have your way. Reduce me, Lord. Uplift yourself, God. Increase more of your word inside of me, God, that I may speak it properly, Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in the second half of Ephesians still. When I say the second half, remember Ephesians is six chapters. So you have the first three and then you have the other four. The first three deal with doctrine. Remember, we learned about the gospel, the meat of the gospel. And then the remaining chapters of Ephesians deals with our action, right? How we ought to live out the gospel, if you will. So in Ephesians 5, we are still learning about ortho 
orthopraxy. Remember, orthodoxy is right teaching, right? We want to have orthodox teaching, but along with our teaching, we also want to have orthopraxy, right? That means right action. We want to live a certain way, right? Since we are Christians, we are called to live a certain way. We have facts and things that we believe about Jesus. Yes, that is true, but we also are called to live in a certain way in light of these truths that has happened in Jesus, right? And so Ephesians 5 is continuing that, is teaching us about our orthopraxy, orthopraxy. And here, the, the thing that Paul is going to instruct us on is imitating God. As dearly beloved children, we're called to imitate God, right? So let me, let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. That's all we're going to look at today. The word of God says, therefore, be imitators of God. Remember that therefore is always pointing back to something else. He's speaking back to the previous verse in the previous section. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And what should we do? We should walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And what else did Christ do? And gave himself up for us as an offering and in a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, a fragrant aroma. So today our focus will be on the first part of this text, verse one, therefore be imitators to mimic God as beloved children. That's what we're called to do. That's what we are instructed to do, to mimic or imitate God with our actions, right? Um, back in the, the 1980s and 90s, right, there was this really popular phrase. Some of you know it. It was, be like Mike. Anybody remember that phrase? Be like Mike. I actually Googled it. You can go to YouTube, and I Googled be like Mike, and it brings up the commercial. So back in the days, there was this Gatorade commercial with Michael Jordan. That's what be like Mike means. And the son goes, if I... If I could be like Mike, and it has Jordan doing all of these moves and all of these people trying to imitate Jordan. They're trying to be like Mike, right? That's what that meant, to imitate Mike. And I also remember, like, sometimes when I would be on the court, and some of you, of your basketball players, you would be on the court, and you'll see some people, they'll shoot a jump shot, and they'll go, Jordan, right, right? Or you'll see a person, and they're dribbling, and they'll say, Kobe, right? And then this new current generation, my, my, my daughter, my son, they love Steph Curry. And so when they shoot a shot, they go, Curry, right? When they do Curry, what they're doing is they're trying to imitate their favorite player, right? They're trying to be like their favorite player. But you know what Paul is telling us here? Paul is not going Jordan. Paul is not going Kobe. Paul is not going Kobe or, or, or Curry. You know what Paul is saying? God that's what Paul is saying Paul is saying God Paul here in this text is saying you ought to imitate God we ought to be like God in our behavior we ought to be like God in our action and so Paul in this text here he's going to give us specific ways on how we ought to model or imitate God we ought to model and imitate God so he's going to show us that in this text but before he shows us the specific examples on how we ought to model or imitate God he gives us the motivation for why we ought to imitate God right because we need the motivation I know I need to model God but what is my motivation why am I modeling God so let's look at the text to see if we can find our our motivation 
Look what he says here. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. There's your motivation right there. Beloved children of God. See, that, that's the motivation. You are a beloved child of God. See, God's seed, church, now dwells in you. That's, that's what that's meaning, that you are no longer just a regular human being belonging to your mom and your dad, but you have actually gone through a new birth. You have gone through a new birth through faith in Jesus Christ, and the renewing and working of the Holy Spirit has caused you to be born again, which means that you now have a different lineage. You now have a different family. You are now a part of the household of God. That's who you are. You are a child of God now. You are... You have God's seed in you. That's what it means when you are born again. I mean, God has gone in and changed your nature. He changed part of you, and he's put his seed inside of you. So now you are no longer who you used to be. You are no longer your old self. You are a new humanity now. You are now a child of God. You are under a different household and a different lineage. That, that's who you are now as a follower and believer of Jesus Christ. You are a new human with a new family and a new father. Father and a new Lord and that is God that is Jesus Christ that is who you are and guess what and just like a baby hippo for example just like a baby hippo would grow up and model their hippo parent and do what hippos do now that you have the seed of God in you and now that you have been born again of God you do things that God does why because that's who you are now you are God's children you are God's children so you you model God just like a giraffe would model his giraffe mother or father or an alligator. I don't know if they have parents. Well, obviously all animals have parents, right? But I, I don't know if an alligator models his alligator dad or, net or, or mom. But see, the point I'm getting is that you are this new creature. You are now part of God's household. So you do God stuff. You do God things. That is part of your motivation for why we imitate God. Why? Because it's who you are now. You're, you're God's seed. You're God's children. And not only is that the motivation, but the other motivation is this. You're not just God's children. You're not just God's seed. But the text says that you are beloved children of God. To be, be loved means to be dearly loved. It's not that God just puts up with you. He, he's, you ever seen those parents that just love their kids and, and they just walk around? And they, you just know they love their kids. They try to do everything for their kids. They try to buy everything for their kids. And you just like, man, they just love their kids. See, that's, they, those, those children are really beloved. They're dearly loved. And that's what the text is saying about us. That It's not that God just loves you, but you are dearly loved of God. You are dearly loved. You are the beloved of God. Loved of God. And do you want more proof that you're loved of God? Let me just give you some more. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Church, you are beloved of God. Let me give you another one. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, I love this verse, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us 
all things. You are beloved of God, church. You are loved of God. Let me give you another text here, Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, you are dearly loved children of God, so therefore you are called to model God. You are dearly loved children of God, so you are therefore called to model this God who dearly loves you. That's what children, that's what beloved children do. Beloved children, they model their parents. And I know that in a natural sense, this is not always the case, right? You have families that are really loving and they've raised their children in a loving way, but those kids don't turn out to actually model their parents and be, to be loving as their parents were. Yes, we have situations like that. I've, I've known of people who were raised as PKs, preacher's kids, you know what that is, and, and they received all the love in the world and they were dearly loved children, but you look at their children and you're like, whoa, that apple fell really far from the tree, right? They're, they're, they're not really like their parents, right? So we have situations like that, or you have situations where a child has been really dearly loved, and you look at the kids, and wow, the kids are just really loving as well. They really model their parents. So in a human sense, we, we kind of find both, right? And there's some kids who dearly love, but they don't actually model their parents. And then you have kids who are dearly loved, and they actually model their parents and so from a human perspective, it's kind of hit or miss. But I want to remind you in this text that when Paul says that you are dearly beloved children of God, he is not talking about humanly love here. He's not talking about the humanly love of a parent to a child, but he's talking about God's love for us. He's talking about the divine love. When he says beloved children of God, he, God is the one doing the loving here. So he's not just talking about regular love, but he's talking about God's love. You are loved by God. You are beloved children of God. And guess what? God's love is much more powerful than natural human love. It's, it's, it's much more powerful than the love of a mother for a child. It is much more powerful than a father's love for his son or a daughter. The love of God, guess what? It succeeds in areas where human love cannot succeed. It, it goes beyond where, where human love fails. The, the love of God can actually succeed and change things. Which is what we read verses like 2 Corinthians 5.14 where Paul says this, that the love of Christ controls us. I Meaning God's love is different from that humanly love. When, when God's love comes in you, it actually moves you and changes you to, to model and be like God. See, the, the love of God, when it comes upon a person, it can make you do things like fly overseas and go plant churches and, and share the gospel. When the love of God really, really comes in you, it can make you and go spend your time helping the needy and those who are less, less, less fortunate. See, the, the love of God can make you sit around and strategize on how you're going to bring clean water to people in countries that don't have it. See, there is a difference from humanly love or that parent love and the love of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with the love of a mom or a dad. There's nothing wrong with the love of an uncle or an aunt or a friend or a cousin. Their love can do some things. But the love of God, guess what? It makes you want to be more like God when it hits you. See, you wonder why you're so different now, why you're quick to meet needs. It's because the love of God has got inside of you, meaning you have come to know the love of God. And that's actually changed you and shaped you to actually want to resemble the one who loves you. 
That's what the love of God does. The love of God makes you want to be more like God. And guess what? This love of God is best demonstrated and shown in the love of Christ. That's where you can really see the love of a father and the love of a son. See, if I look at verse 1, where he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If I look at verse 1 from a purely human perspective of a parent's love to a child, like I said, yes, you will find situations where the parent loves the child, but the child doesn't love people in return, and vice versa. You'll find different things, but when you approach this scripture from a divine perspective, then you can really see how it is that if you are a child of God, you are now supposed to imitate the Father, the one who has loved you. See, when I look at this text from a God perspective, I could really see the fruits of what Paul is talking about here. So when I look at Ephesians 5.1, we need to look at this text not from a purely human perspective of a child modeling a parent, but we want to look at this text from the divine perspective, the perspective of the, God, of the God, the Father, loving Christ the Son and vice versa. When we look at it from that perspective, that human, that, that godly relationship of Father and Son, then we can really understand what the Apostle is getting at here in verse 1. Because Jesus, see, Jesus was the prototype son. He was the prototypical son, the, the perfect son of a father and uh, a father-son relationship. That's what we see in Jesus. And so when we study the life of Jesus in the Gospels as just the son, when you look at Jesus, not just from perspective as the Messiah or not from the perspective as the a high priest or our Savior, but when you look at Jesus just from the perspective of a son, you find a son who is dearly in love love with his father and you find a father who is dearly in love with his son and you find his son trying to model and do everything that his father wants him to do where Christ's whole purpose becomes doing the father's will see Jesus gives us a perfect example of what it means to imitate your father he gives us a perfect example of what a beloved child of God should do and what should that be that should be to carry out the will of the father that should be to do the will of the father so let's just think about Jesus from that perspective think about him as the role of just a son not the messiah not not lord and savior but just as a son what you see is a person who just loves imitating his father and doing his father's will when you read in the gospels that's the jesus that we see i think about the apostle john for example right the apostle john he had this saying in the in his scriptures the Apostle John had this saying that he would say over and over and over in the Gospel of John. And that phrase was, the one whom Jesus loved. Do you, you, you remember reading John and you'll see him say that over and over in the book of John. He'll say, the one whom Jesus loved. The one whom Jesus loved. Because he was so overwhelmed that Jesus loved him that all he could do is just repeat it over and over and over in his Gospel. He was obsessed with the fact that Jesus loved him. But do you know that John was not the only person that was obsessed with love? But Jesus was too. Jesus was obsessed with the Father's love of him. Just like John was obsessed with Jesus' love of him, do you know that Jesus was obsessed with the Father's love of him? Let me give you a perfect example of that. John 3, 35. Jesus says this. 
Jesus says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. So right there, Jesus is pointing out and telling people that the father loves me. He's making it known that the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. So he's letting the crowd know. He's letting people know that God loves me. The father loves me. And then look what he says here in John 17, 24. Jesus says this to the father, you have loved me. Again, he's pointed out, you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Again, we find here Jesus pointing out that the father loves me. You see, Jesus is a beloved son of God. So he's pointing out again that the father loves me. And let me, let me point this out, what the father says about Jesus. Look what the father says about Jesus here at the baptism of John, where John is baptizing Jesus. The father says this in Matthew 3.17. This is my beloved, there goes our word, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus knows the father loves him, right? Because the father and son have had this relationship from all of eternity. He, he knows the father loves him, but hearing someone tell you that you love them, especially from the other people, guess what? That never gets old, See, it wasn't like Jesus was like, stop it, Father, you're embarrassing me. Stop telling everybody you love me. No, hearing the Father say, I love you, guess what? It never gets old. And so that's what the gospel writer is pointing this out to, is that the Father just loves the Son, and he's making it known that I love my Son. This is my dearly beloved Son. So you have the Father pointing out that he loves the Son, and then you have Jesus pointing out how the Father loves me. You see this love relationship that's going on here between the Father and the Son. Let me give you another example here. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain with some of his disciples, what did the Father say about Jesus? In Mark 9, 7, he says, this is my beloved, again, our same word, this is my beloved son, and he says, listen to him. Again, his disciples are around, and he's making it known again, I love my son. This is my beloved son. This is my dear son. So we, again, he's making it known that this is the one I love. I love my son. Let me give you another verse here. In John 5, verse 19 to 20, Jesus says this. Verse 19, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. Again, what is he doing? He's mimicking the father. He says he can do nothing of himself. Whatever he sees the father does, he does. He's showing us what a beloved child of God does. What does a beloved child of God do? They mimic their father. So Jesus is saying, what the father is doing, that is what I do. He says that the fun, he says that whatever the father does, these things the son does in like manner. So whatever he sees the father does, the son is going to mimic, he's going to imitate the father and do what the father's doing. Again, showing us what a beloved child of God should do. And then he says this in verse 20, for the father loves the son. Again, what is he doing? He's pointing out again that the father loves me. The father loves the son. He wants to make it known again. The father loves the son. And what does the father do? He shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. So the father is loving the son by what? By showing the, the son works to do so that the son can imitate these works. So that the son can model the father. So that the son can imitate the father. 
Do you see? See, Jesus is the true son. He's the true beloved, and he's showing us what a beloved of God does. He's showing us what a beloved of child of God does. They mimic and they imitate their father, and you are a beloved child of God. And so you ought to mimic and imitate your father. That's the point of all of this. You mimic and imitate your father. You mimic and imitate God. Let me give you another text, John 15, 9. Jesus tells his disciples this, John 15, 9. Just as the Father has loved me, again, what are you doing? He's making it known. The Father loves me. He's starting off his sentence. Just as the Father has loved me, what am I doing? He says, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Again, he's mimicking and imitating the Father. Just as the Father has loved me, the love that I received from the Father, I am now mimicking and I imitated and I did that to you. Again, he's modeling. He's showing us what beloved children of God do. They model God. So he says, what the Father, what I've seen the Father do, I'm actually done. That love that the Father gave me, I modeled that, and I did it towards you. And he's showing us what a true child of God does. They mimic God. And saints, the beauty is, we looked at the text the Father calls the Son beloved, and you are now having the privilege to carry the same term that God calls the Son beloved. Look what the text says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. You're getting the same words that the Father said to Jesus. Now the Father said it to you, that you are the beloved children of God. He's giving you that name, that holy name of beloved. He's now placing it on you who are in Christ Jesus. You who are in the Son, you are now receiving the name. You're receiving that name of endearment of beloved you are beloved of God and because you are beloved of God you are therefore like Jesus you ought to imitate God you ought to imitate the father in all of your ways see we speak the truth in unrighteousness in righteousness and do not spread falsehood why because that's what beloved children of God do just look at Jesus see in our anger we do not sin why because that's what beloved children of God do just look at Jesus see we use our tongue to build up and to edify why because that is what beloved children of God do just look at Jesus, when we see people in need, we go and we meet that need. Why? Because that is what beloved children of God do. Just look at Jesus. We are kind and tenderhearted and quick to forgive. Why? Because that is what beloved children of God do. Just look at Jesus. You are a beloved child of God, so you are called to model God. Just like Jesus. He's our example. You are loved of God, so you model him in all of your ways. That is what we do as children of God. We imitate and model God. We model God in a general sense, yes, but we, we, we model him really just in, in all of our ways. And everything that we do, we model God. Now, now imagine this. Imagine if you were a basketball coach, right? And you told somebody, I want you to model your game after Michael Jordan or Steph Curry or LeBron. And they were like, but I've never seen a LeBron or Steph Curry game. It would be impossible for them to model their game after somebody who they never even seen and watch or heard. And guess what church, it's the same thing with us. If we don't stay in God's word, 
If we don't learn about them, if we don't stay around to preach word and hearing God's word talk, you're not going to know how to model God. So it, it, it's the same thing. We're called to model God. And how, we know, how do we know what God is and what he likes and what he does? It's by staying in his word. When we stay and study his word and we're around to preach word, then we learn what God is like. And then we can see what we model. And it's the same thing for us, church. That's why you need the word of God. Because outside of having his word, you're going to make up whatever God in your mind and just do whatever you want. But you have to stay in his word in order to see what God is like so we can see what we ought to imitate and model. That is what we must do, church. So we stay in this word and we model God. Now, again, in a general sense, we model God in all of our ways, but I really want to draw you into the specifics that Paul is pointing to here in this text. Look what he says in verse 1 again. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, right? We learn when you see a therefore in the text, in the scripture, that means that they're referring back to something he just spoke to. So when we go back just to the previous verse, what do we find? We find be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as mimicking, modeling, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So we understand that when Paul is talking about to imitate God, yes, we ought to imitate God in a general sense, but Paul has some specifics in mind when he's talking about imitation. And one of those imitations of God is in forgiveness, that we model God in forgiveness. So it's forgiveness. And then when you keep reading in verse 1 of chapter 5, you see that you go down to verse 2 and it says that we ought to walk in love just as, again, modeling God, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a free to ro- sweet aroma. So another thing that Paul has in mind when he's talking about imitating God, yes, we imitate God in a general sense, but here in Ephesians 1 and 2, Paul has forgiveness in mind when he's talking about imitating God, and two, he has walking in love as a way of imitating God. So those those are two ways here that we have in Ephesians chapter 5, starting from uh, chapter 4, verse 32, down to verse 2 in chapter 5, is we, we imitate or model God through forgiveness, and we imitate and model God through walking in love just as Christ loved us. So those are two specifics that Paul has in mind when it comes to imitate God. Now... Today, I'm just going to lightly touch on forgiveness, and then I'll hit love next week because love is so big. I don't want to just keep going. I want us to just stop, and then we'll dig into love next week. But I just want to look at the, this first one, forgiveness, as a way of imitating and modeling God. I know sometimes as Christians, we, we, we say we want to be like Jesus. And I would say, and I would ask you this, do you really want to be like Jesus? Because if you really want to be like Jesus and model God, it's going to require a whole lot of forgiveness. Because that's what Paul is getting at here when he said, therefore be imitators of God, model God. He's talking about forgiveness in one sense. And to have a whole lot of forgiveness is going to require you actually being offended and um, sinned against. Because think about it, you, you can't forgive someone who hasn't done anything to you. In order to be full of forgiveness and to forgive someone, it means that somebody actually had to offend me or do something wrong to me, and now I am in turn forgiving. So I just want you to see when you say you want to be like Jesus and, and to forgive like Jesus, 
What you're saying is that I want to be able to allow people to offend me. Things are going to happen to me. I'm going to take an L, as we would say, as the young people would say. It means that something unpleasant is going to happen to me or even someone in my family. And because Christ has forgiven me, I'm going to turn around and forgive them. So when it says to model God and to be imitators of God in forgiveness, you must understand that is not an easy thing that Paul and the Lord is calling us to do, to walk in forgiveness, because forgiveness is difficult. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I just can't wait to forgive today. That's just not how we, that's not how we think, right? Forgiveness is something that is really hard out of all the characteristics of God. This is not one that's probably at the top of our list. Why? Because forgiveness again means that you are going to be offended. It means that somebody's going to sin against you. But this is what it means to model God. We have to be for, for people who forgive. That's what it means to be like Jesus. This is part of our holy calling and mimicking God. We, are, we have been these separated people from all of the world who have as one of their major characteristics or traits is that they forgive. They know how to forgive. That's what it means to model God, church. That's what, that is part of what it means to be a child of God. That is part of what it means to be a beloved child of God, is that you know how to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you. That is what it means to mimic God. That is what it means to image God or be in his likeliness. That means it is to be able to forgive like God forgives. See, these are, these are some hard traits when we say, oh God, or oh, I just want to be like God, I want to be like Christ. You're talking about some hard stuff here. Some stuff that is going to require the work of the Holy Spirit. Stuff that you can't do naturally on your own. You can't just go around free, freely forgiven naturally on your own. You need an actual work of God working inside of you to be able to live this way. And that's what you will see where this ultimately leads us bending down on our knees and asking God to help us to walk and mimic God because we cannot do this thing on our own. It is too hard. It is, it's impossible. So, church, we're going to do, we're going to stop here. Um, and next week, I'm going to pick up in love because that's, that's a major portion. And then we're going to look at that sweet aroma. Oh, I can't wait till we get to that part where it says that Christ offered himself up as a sweet aroma. Wait, he's dying on the cross. How is that a sweet aroma? And when sweet aromas happened, that was normally when sacrifices were burnt, but Christ was not burnt. So where is this sweet aroma coming from? Oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. We're going to dig into that next week um, and dig more into love. But we'll, we'll stop here today um, with the hopefully the main takeaway is that you are a beloved child of God, and so you are therefore called to mimic God. One of the ways that we mimic God is by being forgiving like God forgave us in Christ. And so that's your two little takeaways for this week. And then next week, we'll focus on walking in love as Christ loved us. So.